<clears throat> Morning, church. How's everybody doing today? How are your sinuses after real cold weather, hot, muggy? How many of y'all went to the doctor the last week? Oh, come on. Come on. This weather has been interesting. We are in a series called Messy, and I told you today would be the last day, so I lied. I, I, I can't quit. I've, I've got too much material. So I'm not going to tell you next week's going to be the last week, but I, we do need to look at Messy Jesus. So next week is Messy Jesus because Jesus was messy. So we've looked at all kinds of messy. We've looked at messy lives in the Bible, and we'll do so again a little bit today. We've looked at are messy people welcome here? Are messy people invited here? Are messy people, do we need to change our culture? We looked at messy church last week, and, and I've, I forgot to mention, our church is so messy that, that we needed to hire a church consultant. We had to hire a church coach. We needed a counselor. We needed help. If you're visiting with us today, our church is one of the best churches around. Thought that was funny. Um, seriously, we uh, we hired a church consultant because our church needed some help. But that's understandable because we live messy lives and we need help. And that's why God sent Jesus because we need help in the midst of our messy lives. God knows exactly what to do with messy lives. We don't. We don't know what to do with messy closets so they stay messy. We don't know what to do with messy houses so they stay messy. We don't know what to do with messy garages. We don't know what to do with messy finances. We don't know what to do with messy marriages. We don't know what to do with messy kids. God does. God thrives on messy people and God uses messy people to influence messy people. God uses people like you and me with messy lives to influence people with messy lives. Think about it. God's been dealing with messy ever since He created Adam and Eve. Ever since sin entered the world, God's people have been disobedient, sinful, rebellious, messy people. What other choice does He have than to work with the messy people that He created? God uses messy people to influence messy people. Now, this may come as a surprise to you. Maybe it's the first time you've ever heard this. I don't know. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. <laughs> None of us are. We're all messed up people. What better way for God to influence the world than to use messy people with messy lives? And so you need to realize God wants to use you. You need to open your heart and open your life so that God can use you in wonderful ways. <clears throat> I like this quote from Ross Parsley who wrote the book, Messy Church. How appropriate. The thing is, most of us have grown up thinking churches are not messy places. They're clean, tidy, orderly. We spend our Sunday mornings fixing our hair. Some of you. <clears throat> Applying the right amount of makeup, ironing our shirts and straightening our ties. At home, we may fight about breakfast, get angry at our spouse for being late, 
causing us to settle for a bad parking spot and finally threaten our kids with no TV or candy if they whine about going to church. But when we walk through the church doors, everything changes. We put on our best Sunday smiles. We swap stories about how wonderful life is going. We laugh. We shake hands during the time we're supposed to greet the people near us. And we smile and nod along with the sermon. We don't want everyone there to know the truth. We have problems. Sometimes frightening, overwhelming problems. Our homes are on the brink of foreclosure. Our marriages are crumbling and on the edge of divorce. Our children are getting bullied and being pressured to do the unthinkable. We don't like to bring our messy lives into the church. We don't want to feel out of place, unaccepted and unwelcome. We don't want people to judge our mess. So we keep smiling. We keep acting like things are okay. And we take our messy lives back home. Have you ever considered that maybe God wants to use your messy life? God wants to use you in His kingdom work. God wants to use you in His plan. God wants to use you to make a difference. God wants to use you to be influential. Let me read you from the message from 2 Corinthians 4. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable great power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, He does in us. He lives. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us, in our messy lives, in our lives that are not real adorned, in our clay pots, in our lives that are not much to look at, God's power shines the greatest in our weakness and in our messy lives. God uses messy lives to influence messy people. But I know what you're thinking because it's human nature. We think, well, why would God use me? I mean, God wouldn't want to use my mess. God doesn't know what I've been through. I'm not smart enough, I'm not educated enough, I'm not gifted enough, I'm afraid, I'm inadequate, I'm incompetent. I can't do whatever it is God is calling me to do. Listen, folks, if you wait till you're smart enough or ready or you know enough, if you wait until you're gifted enough, then you're going to go to your grave not knowing the great power of God in your messy life. God uses messy lives to influence messy lives. Think about some of these illustrations I have for you today. Think about Moses. God came to Moses in Exodus 3 and 4. You can go home and read that today. God's people are in slavery in Egypt. God's people are crying out. And God comes to Moses and he tells Moses, I've heard my people crying out. I I know about their suffering. I'm going to do something about it. And you know Moses has got to be excited. And God says, that's when God says, I want you. Uncle Sam didn't invent the phrase. God invented the phrase, I want you. God says, Moses, I want you. And you know what Moses does? He says, I'm all in. No, Moses has five excuses throughout Exodus 3 and 4. You read about Moses and he says, who am I? 
What is your name? What if they don't believe me? I'm not a good speaker. And the last excuse, every time God responds and says, look, I'll empower you and I'll give you speech and I'll tell you this and I'll be with you. Throughout all of that, the last excuse, Moses says, hey, God, can you please find someone else? Can you please use someone else? You know who prepared the communion trays today? Someone else. You know who's going to be teaching in class today? All the classes, kids through adults. Someone else. You know who works at caring and sharing? Someone else. You know who goes on mission trips? Someone else. You know who talks to people about Jesus? It's always someone else. Hey, God, can you just get someone else? Can you please use someone else? My life's too messy. My life's too incompetent. My life, you just need to get someone else. Someone else seems to do a lot of the work around church. Listen, folks, when you let God use your messy life, God empowers you to do His work. God empowers you to do... You say, well, I'm not strong enough. God empowers you to do His work. God promises to be with you. God prepares you for the task. God gives you the confidence to do whatever it is He's called you to do. Whatever excuse you have, God's going to respond and say, I'm strong enough, and I can give you speech, and I can enable you, and I can empower you, and I will be with you. Whatever our excuse is, God says, look, regardless of your messy life, I want to use you so that God's brightness shines through. God uses messy people with messy lives to influence people with messy lives. Perhaps one of the greatest catalysts for helping people grow into fully devoted Christ followers is for you to get involved in God's kingdom work. When you get involved in God's work, God's kingdom work, your faith grows, your confidence grows, everything about you grows. But we still think, well, I don't know if God would want to use me. I'm sure you've seen this list. Maybe I've read this list to you before. When you get to thinking God can't use my messy life, think about this. Moses stuttered. David's armor didn't fit. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Timothy had ulcers. Amos's only training was in the school of fig tree pruning. Solomon was too rich. Abraham was too old. David was too young. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Peter was afraid of death. Lazarus was dead. I love that one. God used a dead guy. John was self-righteous. Naomi was a widow. Paul was a murderer. So was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burned out. Martha was a worrywart. Mary was lazy. Samson had long hair. Noah got drunk. Did I mention Moses had a short fuse? So did Peter and Paul. Well, lots of folks did. God doesn't require a job interview. He doesn't hire and fire like most bosses. God doesn't look at financial gain or loss. God's not prejudiced or partial. He's not judging, grudging, sassy or brassy. He just wants to use us. So I look around the auditorium today at people God has used. Oh, I could name everybody. But you think about the Janelle Gibsons and the Betty DeLotts. I mean, two of the quietest people we know. 
going across the world on mission trips. Look at Martin Groover going on mission trips. Look at what God has done through Bill Vineyard through the years. Look at Willie and Lorraine. If you knew all the things Willie and Lorraine did, I could go around the room and look at messy lives because that's what we have. Look at how God uses us when we just open our lives and say, God, will you use me? But we're afraid. We feel handicapped. And so let me tell you a story. It's a story by Tony Campolo. He tells this story about the time he counseled at a junior high camp. He says, I was asked to be a counselor at a junior high camp once. Everybody ought to be a counselor at a junior high camp once. A junior high kid's concept of a good time is picking on people. And at this particular camp, there was a boy who was suffering from cerebral palsy. His name was Billy, and they picked on him. They, they called him Spastic Billy. He'd walk across the camp in his disjointed manner, and they would line up behind him, imitating him and mimicking his every movement. His speech was stammered, and they would mimic in the same stammer. The level of meanness reached its lowest on a Wednesday morning. Billy's cabin had been assigned the morning devotions for the camp. All of the boys in his cabin voted for Billy to be the speaker. I knew they just wanted to get him up there and make fun of him. Billy got up out of his seat and limped his way to the platform. You could hear the giggles throughout the crowd. It took Billy eight to ten minutes to say seven words. I'm not going to try to imitate how Billy said it, but he said, Jesus loves me and I love Jesus. Ten minutes. When he finished, there was dead silence. I looked over my shoulder and there were junior high boys shaking and trembling and crying all over the place. A revival broke out. A revival broke out. A revival broke out in the camp after Billy's short testimony. I wished I'd kept count of how many ministers I've met as I travel across this country who have told me that they gave their lives to Jesus because of the witness of a spastic kid named Billy. If God could use him with all his limitations, what makes you think God can't use you to touch the lives of other people? If God can transform the lives of people through the likes of little Billy, think of how God can use our messy lives to spread his word and spread the kingdom. God uses messy lives to influence messy people. I mean, think about it. Some of the greatest advice you ever got was from people who are going through the same things you're going through. Some of the greatest comfort you've got is from people who have gone through things you've gone through. People who've been through divorce, people who've been through cancer, people who've had financial struggles, people who are struggling with their kids, people who have an addiction, people struggling with pornography. The list is endless. Some of the best advice, counsel you got was from messy people going through the same thing to help your messy life. God uses messy people to influence messy people. So I've been waiting to use this illustration just because I wanted to. You got to know about the Robertson family. If you hadn't heard about Duck Dynasty, then just turn your TV on on Wednesday nights. I mean, they're an amazing group of people. Of, of all the people in the world, I kind of picture them as the ultimate messy, backwoods, redneck, hick kind of people that you could ever imagine. And they're not even from Arkansas. 
my point being that God uses people from Arkansas too. In Oklahoma. I mean, just look at look at the Robertsons. Their Christmas album, their Chris, their Christmas album hit number one on the charts. Are you serious? Size book is a bestseller. Come on. We're going to look at a video clip here in just a second, but let me introduce you. Uh, what it's about. It's about Phil Robertson. He's the dad who started this all. If you don't know about Phil Robertson, he was a football player, not just any football player. He was a good football player. He was a starting quarterback, I think, at Louisiana Tech. Okay, the number two quarterback, maybe you've heard about this guy named Terry Bradshaw, Pittsburgh Steelers, four Super Bowl rings. He was number two on the depth chart behind Phil Robertson. Phil gave up because he said he thought he'd rather spend time in the woods than have big, huge guys wanting to pound him in the ground. And if you've ever heard his story, if you've ever heard Phil's story, I mean, he's very open and transparent about his overwhelmingly messy life. I mean, the things he's done, the sins he's done, the rebelliousness, he's very open about that. And so we're going to watch a video clip. It, it, there, it's a longer talk from a, a talk he gave in California. But this has been, this was uploaded by Missional Marketing. I don't even know who Missional Marketing is, but they took this one segment where Phil takes a phone call from a guy. So let's watch this video clip. So the phone rings back when I answered the telephone. Those days are over. I said, hello, Duck Commander. Guy said, I need to order a duck call. Okay, what do you need? process of the guy ordering the duck call. He used God's name in vain about five times just while ordering a duck call. I said, let me ask you something. Why would you keep using God's name to curse this and that and the other? Why would you do that? I said, He's the only one who can save you from death. Why invoke his name like that? I said, you still there? He said, yeah, Hoss, I'm still here. You got my duck call coming? I said, I got it coming. And he went, Bong. About 10 minutes goes by, the phone rings again. Hello, duck commander. The guy said, hey, it's me again. I said, the question is still on the table. Why would you do that? Curse and invoke the creator of the cosmos like that. I said, he can save you from death. You are going to die of something one day, right? He said, yeah, I'm going to die. He said, Mr. Robinson, I've never thought about that. I said, well, don't you think you ought to? I mean, give me a break. 
one week goes by, knock on the door. I said, come in. This dude steps in, got another guy with him. He said, you know who I am? I said, I don't think I've ever met you. He said, I'm that guy that was using God's name to curse anything and everybody. I said, so you did come. He said, I got to know. I said, you boys want to go down on the river like they did in the book of Acts? They said, yes, sir. 17 years went by, and Miss Kay said, Phil, you have a speech to give over in Alabama. I had long forgotten those guys. So I'm eating a... I'm eating a steak with the preacher, and some guy comes up and he says, Robinson, do you remember the guy that was cursing and carrying on on the telephone, and you called him on it, and he drove over there and was converted to Jesus? I said, I remember that dude. I said, you know, he was from Alabama. He said, what are you talking about? He's one of the leaders of this church now. He wants to talk to you. You know, we used to be the fastest growing church in the nation. I don't know why. I was like two. Late 50s, early 60s. I don't know what happened. But I do think that we have become so afraid of saying anything that we say nothing. We talked this week in our staff meeting. We had a great discussion about gifts. And, you know, we could give you a gifts inventory, a gift survey, and we could discover what your gift is. But let me say this. Maybe your gift is your messy life. We've so used gifts as a crutch so that, well, that's not my gift, so I don't have to let someone else do that, that we say nothing. So here's what I want you to do this week. Instead of just one phone call, maybe it's just one phone call. Maybe it's just one card. Maybe it's just one note. I mean, God has used many of you in great ways. But I think we need to get in the habit. I think we need to get in the habit. I think we need to get in the habit, which means we need to practice. We need to get in the habit of doing some stuff. So how about we get in the habit of asking people questions? Well, I could never do that. It's not my gift. Your messy life is your gift. Brian told me this week, Brian goes to the Institute to work out. It just, I mean, look at him. The dude's ripped. I mean, let's just admit it. I mean, everybody wants to be like Brian, right? Okay, maybe some of us. Um, there's a guy that's at the Institute. He's always at the Institute. I won't tell you his name, and I won't tell you what church he goes to, but Brian says he always asks people. 
Do you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? He said, Richie, one day he was on the phone taking care of a, a, of a credit card bill. And before he hung up, he said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Let me ask you something before we hang up. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? A credit card bill. He's in the habit of asking people that all the time. Are you in the habit of asking people that? If you're not, practice. Go home and practice on your spouse. Practice on your kids. Practice on your parents. Practice asking people questions. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I've got some other questions. Maybe you could ask people, how's your faith? How's your faith today? Ask people, do you have any questions about the Bible? Oh, Richie, I could never ask that. What if they ask me something I don't know? Call one of the elders. Tell them, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll go find out. I'm, I'm talking about asking questions to open up dialogue with people. Because I think people want to talk about Jesus, and I think people want to talk about God. Ask them, what's one question you would ask God? I mean, if you had God's full attention, what's one question that you would ask God? I mean, that's not even threatening. You're not asking them where they go to church. You're not asking them if they're saved. Hey, you know what? If you just had God as an audience, what's one thing? Just open dialogue with people, but you got to practice doing that. We can ask people about football all day long. We can ask people about basketball all day long and work all day long and houses all day long and how messy our garages are, but we can't have dialogue. Listen, folks, God wants to use your messy life and my messy life to grow His kingdom. Doesn't matter what state you're from. Doesn't matter where you went to college. God can use all kinds of people. Got any preacher's kids in here? How many of y'all are preacher's kids? Got any elder's kids in here? Oh, yeah, you guys are jacked up. I mean, when I was growing up, if somebody found out I was an elder's kid, oh, well, that explains a lot. Okay? God uses all kinds of people in all kinds of ways. Messy people with messy lives. And God uses that to influence other people. So would you open yourself up to Jesus this week? Would you open yourself up to God this week? Would you pray this prayer? God, I don't know how you want to use me. don't know how you're going to use me. I'm scared to death of how you're going to use me. But I know you will give me power. I know you'll give me the words to say. Would you just help me to see the opportunities? Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody in the neighborhood. Just ask questions. Just ask questions to open up dialogue. And people will start opening up their messy lives. And then you can minister and reach out and talk to people about their messy lives. Folks, the greatest gift you have is your mess. In my mess. Some of you can tell people, you know, I've been through that. And that's some things that maybe I can't say. And other people can say, I've been through that, that some of y'all haven't been through. We offer the invitation of Jesus Christ today. You know why? Because He got messy for our messy lives. He died on a messy cross and He died a messy death. And He suffered in so many messy ways because our lives are messy. And all he asks in return is, would you open up your messy life so that he can do great things through, the, through you? It's not about you and I doing great things. It's about God doing great things through our weakness and our messy lives. If you've never given your life to Jesus, it's the greatest decision you will ever make. So let me ask you today, how's your faith? How's your relationship with God? Have you ever named Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior?
If nobody's ever asked you that, then I want to encourage you today to be baptized for the remission of sins because that's what the Bible says. I want to encourage you to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because that's what the Bible says. I want to encourage you to open up your life and live an uh, an obedient life to follow Jesus because that's what the Bible says. It'll be the greatest decision you've ever made, but it doesn't stop at baptism. God will empower you in your messy life, which your life will continue to be messy, but it'll be washed by the blood of Jesus. God will continue to use you. If you need to respond to the invitation of Jesus today, please do so as we stand and sing.